See, in our busy culture, we often think that stopping for any reason is a sign of weakness. We often act like slowing down and taking a break means you're just not good enough and capable. As we continue this series of Sabbath and learning to rest, you need to know that it is okay to say, I have nothing left in me. I need a nap and a snack. Because hanger is a real thing and that will not help you any going forward. So take a nap, get some rest, and then go about the journey God has for you. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay, because faith is not about having it all figured out, and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before He'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. It's surprising that one week of talking about Sabbath and we aren't any better at it, right? Like, shouldn't we all be experts at learning how to rest after just one week? I certainly am not. Before we begin today's message, I want to mention something I forgot to mention earlier. Uh, For those of you sitting down here, uh, in the pew in front of you, there are these little cards that look like this, and on the backside, they look like this. And for those of you upstairs, they're kind of in the corners by where you came in. Um, You can also find this online at thepointknox.com, but this is our Connect card. See, we want to connect with you during the week and see how you're doing and reach out and care for you beyond just this hour on Sunday morning. And so if you take just a moment to fill that out, let us know that you're here. Let us know how we can pray for you. Uh, We want to connect with you, but we can only do that with your help. And if you fill that out, whether online or in person, for everybody who's been here before who fills it out again, uh, we're going to donate a dollar on your behalf to an organization in Knoxville doing really good work. And if it's your very first time filling that out, you've never filled it out before, we will donate $5 just to say thank you, we're glad you're here, and we're excited that everything we do in the walls of this space has nothing to do with us and everything to do with our city and loving our city more and making this place, or for those of you online, your city, your home, a better place, a place filled with more peace and joy and love and hopefully a little bit of rest. Unfortunately, rest is not the thing that comes naturally to most of us. In our culture of more, 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 we're always needing to do more and produce more and be more and have more and there's never enough. It's exhausting. My wife and I, we live over by the West Town Mall and unfortunately she discovered a few days ago that time is upon us, the time of Christmas shopping and seasonal traffic. If you ever spend any time near the mall, the next two months progressively get worse and worse right up until like New Year's and then everybody realizes they don't want to return stuff or they can't return stuff or whatever and it kind of slows down again. But it gets busier and crazier and Knoxville drivers, if you haven't heard me say this before, don't know how to drive. 
And so when you pile them all in next to the mall, it gets even worse. Busy, 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 more, more, more. And you would think with all that we have at our fingertips, with all that we have access to, with all that we can do, you would think our lives would be getting better, right? We have great technology like email, so now you can work for, from wherever you are. You can have it on your phone, so that way you can respond to it 24-7. And if you don't respond within just a few minutes, people wonder, are you even worth your salary or your paycheck? Right? We have all these opportunities to produce more and do more and make our job easier. And yet, Americans are working longer hours and less satisfied with their job. Americans are spending more time doing things they think they enjoy and they're more discouraged and depressed and anxious than ever before. We have a problem in this country. It's a problem I've talked about in the past and I'll say it again. We have a problem, a mental health crisis that we have been wildly avoiding. And in fact, it's estimated that almost 40 million Americans struggle on a regular daily basis with depression or anxiety. How is it in a culture where we have access to so much, we're hurting so much more? How is it that in a culture where we have access to so many things, stress continues to rise? This isn't anything new, and unfortunately, 2020 has not helped in the slightest. In fact, in 2018, roughly 43,000 Americans decided this life wasn't worth it and ended their own life. It was two years ago. How much more has compounded since then? Roughly one out of every five American adults has said that COVID and COVID-related stress has made it difficult for them to sleep on a regular basis. Is that you? See, we're living in this time where we should have so much more and it feels like it's never enough. And we're exhausted and we're worn out and we're beat down and many of us feel like perhaps suicide is the best option. In fact, it's said that in 2020, one out of every four teenagers has considered suicide. One out of every four. See, we're living in this world where we are completely broken and a total mess. And unfortunately, in all of our busyness and all of our to-dos and all of our hurried, we're not fixing any of that. And so we are in this series Learning to Sabbath, as I confessed to you last week, this is something I'm just beginning to learn. I'm not an expert in. I don't have it figured out. And this isn't by any means something you must do in order to be a Christian. If we were Jewish, you must do this in order to be Jewish. But we're not. We're Christian and Christ has set us free from all the law. There's nothing we have to do in order to be saved. And yet there's some things that are done in scripture that are still worth doing. So if you're a Christian and you're overwhelmed and this world isn't giving you what you hoped it would and your anxiety and depression and loneliness and fear, all these things kind of are on the rise, maybe learning to Sabbath is the very thing you need today. As we continue in today's sermon, 
I want us to begin with the man you're probably familiar with who experienced the weight of the world on his shoulders. His name's Elijah. Have you, you ever heard of that guy? If not, don't worry about it. I'll kind of introduce you to who he is. Elijah is an Old Testament prophet. A prophet was somebody who told the people of God the way things were and the way that things will be. Kind of declaring, this is what God does, this is what God says. And a prophet was called to be the person when nobody else stood for God and nobody else did what was right. The prophet was to be the one to do the right thing always. No pressure at all, right? In fact, if they were found to be a false prophet, to speak something untrue or something that didn't come to pass, they were actually commanded to be put to death. No pressure, right? And Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 18 has this incredible moment. He has a showdown like all other, like no other actually, a showdown of epic proportion where he challenges over 400 false prophets. Prove today that your God is who he says he is. Prove that your God can do what you claim he can do. And so they set up two different altars and, and they choose their, their sacrifice and they make their sacrifice and all day long, these false prophets cry out to their God and they ask, are you going to to come and light this altar on fire, prove that you're God, prove that you are worth worship, prove these things, and all day long, they cry out to their gods, they cut themselves, and they bleed, and they, they spill their own blood in the hopes that their God will do what they want him to do, and nothing. And Elijah, in this session, starts taunting them. He's like, perhaps your God is really busy. Maybe he's overwhelmed. Maybe he's relieving himself right now or taking a nap, and still their God never responds. So then it's Elijah's turn and he takes his altar and his sacrifice and he douses it in the midst of a drought. He douses it in water that it's overflowing and he prays to God and God answers and lights the whole thing on fire that even the stones burn up. And he proves right then and there that his God, our God, is the real God and all these false prophets are put to death. And you would think this is an exciting victory, right? Right? Now there will be truth that is spoken. People will love God. Now things will go in a really good way. But instead, as it usually happens when God moves in big ways, a lot of people get really bothered. A lot of people get really hurt and don't like what God is doing. And so this is what happens to Elijah. And he goes on the run for fear for his life, for fear that he's going to die. It says this in chapter 19, verse 4. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. Can you feel the pain he's living in? Like I'm trying my best, I'm doing my hardest, I'm giving everything and all that's left is people hate me and they want me dead. So God, just let me die. Life would be better without me. Just let me die. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time, and, ate, and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. 
He arose and he ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. I begin with this story because I think many of us can relate to that overwhelmed place where things aren't turning out the way we hoped they were, where it isn't going as well as it could be, where we should be seeing God do the great and instead we're wondering, where are you, God? And sometimes the solution is really simple. Take a nap and then eat some food. And if that doesn't work, do it again. I love that about this story here. Here's this man overwhelmed at wit's end, and God doesn't say, go and make it right, go and fix it. Just take a nap. It'll be okay. See, in our busy culture, we often think that stopping for any reason is a sign of weakness. We often act like slowing down and taking a break means you're just not good enough and capable. As we continue this series of Sabbath and learning to rest, you need to know that it is okay to say, I have nothing left in me. I need a nap and a snack. Because hanger is a real thing and that will not help you any going forward. So take a nap, get some rest, and then go about the journey God has for you. Let's continue. What happens immediately after this is this really cool moment where God takes him on this journey up to this mountaintop and the winds start blowing really strong and a fire comes and there's all this crazy activity, the moments where he should encounter God. And then comes silence. And it's there in that silence that God begins to speak. See, learning to Sabbath is in part about learning to create space in our life for silence, where all the noise and all the busyness and all the distractions and all the to-dos and all of these things not yet done, all of this pressure can just pause. And in that silence, God can speak. Speak his comfort, speak his hope, speak his strength, whatever it is we need in that moment. So this idea of Sabbath, let's look at where this is commanded to us. You see, the Jewish people, for them, as I mentioned, they had to Sabbath. In fact, Sabbath is something that uh, historians look at and say Sabbath may very well be the reason Jewish people still exist as we know them today. See, there's no other culture in the world that for 2,000 years has been alienated from one another without a homeland, without a home uh, identity, without a place to go back to. No other culture that for 2,000 years has lived as exiles and somehow maintained their identity, maintained their unique community. Historians often look and say that Perhaps the practice of Sabbath is what held the Jewish people together through all of their trials and all of their turmoil. You see, on the Sabbath, they had all of these rules about how you would honor the Sabbath. All of these artificial things they created to say this is what's right and wrong when it comes to stopping and resting. And that included things like you can only take so many steps in a day. And this was well before the Apple Watch would track it for you. So like they had to count their steps and remember. And they would get to the point where if they had walked too far and reached the end of their steps to avoid dishonoring God, they would sit down for the rest of the day wherever they were and just stay there. 
So if part of the Sabbath included gathering together and hearing God's word, they would all live near each other. In order to be able to walk to the synagogue and walk back home and be within those limited number of steps, the Jewish people would live in these close-knit communities. And historians say that very close-knit community, guarded by the Sabbath, is what kept them for 2,000 years through all of their trials. So this idea of a Sabbath comes in part as a command in the Ten Commandments. It's actually the fourth commandment, well, the third commandment in our tradition, the fourth in other traditions, but it doesn't really matter how you count it. It's one of the commandments here in Exodus chapter 20. So this is what we're going to look at today. God tells the people, this is what I expect of you, this is how you should live, this is what's good for you, and this is his commandment. Beginning in verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. If you recall from last week, to be holy is to be set apart. Make that day different than other days. Currently on our days off, they don't normally look all that different, right? On our work days, we go to work, we do our things, we're busy, 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 and on our day off, we run our errands, we do our things, we go about all this stuff, and we're just busy with a different purpose. No, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, different, set apart. He references here Genesis, the creation story we looked at last week, how God in six days works, and then he takes a break. Sabbath is not because you're exhausted. Sabbath is so that you can enjoy the work that you've done. And for those of you who struggle to work six days, maybe you should consider working six days. Last week as we left, I won't name names, but I had a very kind young boy who said, wait, so we get a day off? And then his mom said, yeah, that means you got to work the rest of the week. And he was kind of disappointed by that. Work six days and then rest. Sabbath, keep it holy. It continues, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." I mentioned this idea of God blessing last week, that what God blesses is actually something that gives us life. And I heard a couple of studies that were really surprising. There are two groups of people in the world who pretty religiously guard the Sabbath. Jewish people and Seventh-day Adventists. And in this study, they were, they were looking at all kinds of factors and the longevity of life. Here's what they found. Seventh-day Adventists and Orthodox Jews who guard and keep the Sabbath on average live about 11 years longer than anyone else. Little fun side note, if you add up all the Sabbaths that might have been in their normal lifetime, it's about 11 years. Quite literally, every day you stop and rest brings you new life that you can keep going a little longer. God commands, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. 
Now here in Exodus, God is, Moses is speaking to the people, well, God is speaking through Moses. And if you know the story of Exodus, what happened immediately before? They were slaves in a land where they were forced to work constantly. In fact, in their force to work, their, their effort to build, a large part of what the Jewish people built in Egypt was actually entire cities just to store the wealth of the king. Like, not even cities for people to enjoy. They built giant cities just to store the wealth of the king. And they worked literally to death over and over and over again. Here in Exodus, God has rescued them miraculously, brought them out of that place where they could never do enough to be able to rest, where they could never accomplish what they needed to accomplish, where they were always in this system about more and more and more. Brings them out, and as he's leading them to this promised land where they will have rest, he gives them these commands. Remember the Sabbath. For you and your servants and your sojourners, remember the Sabbath for everybody within your gates. See, practicing a Sabbath is not just for you and for me. It's quite literally for the people around us as well. It's really difficult to love your neighbor when you're hangry or exhausted. When you're depressed or lonely or anxious, it's really difficult to step outside of that pain you're in and begin to love the person around you. We need to rest so that the people around us can get our best, so that they can have something that's desirable, they can see in us something attainable, they can see what they hope to have themselves. Like how many of you, when bedtime comes around for your kids, you just can't wait for your kid to tell you all the stressful things that happened that day right as you're laying them down at bed? Anybody? See, I want to hear about my kids' days, but not at bedtime. Because at bedtime, I'm at my wit's end. And at bedtime, I'm ready for them to go to sleep so that for just a little bit, I can have what feels like me time in silence. But that also means at bedtime, that's when I'm tested the most. Because that's when they don't want to go to bed. They don't want to stop what they're doing. Why would I rest? I can see it in your eyes. You're so tired. But I don't want to rest. So often, I think every one of us are just like my little kids. We're so worn out and so tired, but I don't want to stop because we've never been given permission. It's okay to stop, to rest, to be refreshed. In order to love our neighbor well, we have to remember the Sabbath and learn to practice a rhythm of stopping. I'm going to jump ahead for just a moment. Uh, we're going to end with these verses here in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, if you know the context, this happens 40 years after what happens there in Exodus. In Exodus, the people have just been delivered from slavery, and now they're trying to figure out what does life as somebody who's free look like. But now in Deuteronomy, their children are preparing to inherit the blessing of this promised land. For 40 years, they've wandered in the desert and God has faithfully provided. For 40 years, they've got it wrong and they keep screwing up over and over and over again. And now it's just about time for their children to enter the very promised blessing that they themselves are missing out on. 
So Moses again reminds them of all that God had spoken. He again reminds them, look, all the things you are too young to remember. Let me tell you what really matters. And he gives these commandments. Chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Now, I really like this verse, how it differs from the very same command in Exodus. See, Exodus says, remember the Sabbath. Remember the rest you so desperately craved and needed when life was crazy and hectic? Remember how God delivered you and and provided for you? Remember that? But now it says observe. See, we observe things all the time, don't we? We observe holidays when we don't work and hopefully get paid to not work on some holidays. We observe holidays where we stop and we celebrate with feasts. I mentioned last week a good practice if you want to learn to Sabbath. Begin to prepare a really delicious meal that you can eat super simply on the Sabbath. Like what if the whole rest of the week you ate healthy and responsibly? Halloween just happened, so I'm still trying to get rid of all that candy. So this is something I'm learning. Right? What if you ate responsibly the rest of the week and one day a week you got to eat like it was Thanksgiving? Wouldn't that be great? Like I've heard a bunch about how 2020's Thanksgiving is going to be really disappointing because there won't be all those big meals and all that extra food. Let me tell you, last year my wife and I attempted to cook Thanksgiving and we waited to the last minute and so we ended up with like an 18-pound turkey for two adults and a four-year-old and a three-year-old or something like that. There's a lot of turkey for a long time. There is no reason 2020 has to stop you from having way too much when you observe the holiday of Thanksgiving. What if you and I were in a practice of observing a day set aside for something special? What if we were in a practice of saying, I know that there's this event going on, but I'm not going to go to that. I'm doing something else. I know that there's all these opportunities to get work done, but for today, I'm going to trust God that it'll be okay to stop and observe something special. What I like about the idea of observing is observing also means witnessing, right? You're you're paying attention to and you're watching. To observe this day is to witness what God might do through your Sabbath, to witness what he might do when you actually stop and say, God, I am not in control. I can't keep going at burnout pace. I need help. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well. Again, another small change from the Exodus version. It's not just for you. When we learn to stop and slow down, it benefits the people around us. We can invite them into that peace when they're frantic and life is a mess. We can invite them in to saying, it's okay if you don't get that stuff done this week. It'll still be there on Monday. I promise. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt 
And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. See, one of the most powerful things about taking a day of rest, which does not mean stopping and like sitting on a couch and doing nothing all day. I mentioned last week, rest is what brings you joy. Do something that is joyful, that you can celebrate and say, thanks God, this was awesome. Taking a day of rest is for this purpose, that you shall remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Anybody ever been to Egypt? I haven't. One of you has. That's cool. I'm jealous. Uh, I've never been to Egypt, so what does it mean I was a slave in Egypt? While you and I were not enslaved in Egypt, we have been enslaved in this system that tells us more is better. We have been enslaved in this idea that if you want it, you should just go out and get it right now and there's no need to wait. And if you don't have it now, something's wrong with you. We've been enslaved in the system that says more and more determines how much you're worth. Which is not what God says of us. So while we were not actually slaves in Egypt, we certainly have been slaves to systems that make us think we're not enough. Somebody or something or some extra will make us worth more than we currently are. That's not what God says. And just as God had brought them out of Egypt, he continues today to bring us out of those unhealthy habits and patterns and things we believe that we've been told that are not true. Just as they were slaves in Egypt, remembering their slavery reminded them of God's salvation, that he rescued them and he brought them out and said, that is no longer who you are. Now you are mine forevermore. Maybe you and I need a day each week where we remember we're not what our boss says about us. We're not what our neighbors say about us, what our parents think of us. We're not the amount of stuff in our living room or our bathroom or our kitchen. We're not anything other than a child loved by God, brought out of slavery through his precious blood, rescued by his son who gave everything that we might have everything, including peace and rest. And when we're anxious, We can let go of that. And when we're depressed, we can find joy and hope. We can find love when we're lonely. See, remembering the Sabbath, making a rhythm and a practice of taking a day to rest, creates space in your life to experience God, to experience all that he has done and even that he still is doing right now. 2020 has not been what many of us hoped for or planned for. But it's also not been the end of the world. Not yet, at least. There's still time. We'll see what happens. God, even through all of this, has done incredible things. We have to stop and look that we might see it. As we conclude today, I want to encourage you with this. Your practice of rest will actually free you to love yourself and love your neighbor more. And your practice of rest, you don't have to get it right. Just try it. 
Next week, as we conclude this series, I'm going to be sharing some very practical, like tangible things you can do each week to practice rest. This week, I want to just ask you, though, if last week I asked you what brings you joy, this week I want to ask you what keeps you from resting? What lies do you believe that say you can't stop? And where do you need God in the midst of your crazy? Is it your depression or anxiety or fear? Is it an addiction, a problem, a relationship that's broken? Where do you need God to speak and move? Maybe this week is the week you just need a little silence and also a really good nap. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have given your son to set us free from our bondage to sin. We thank you that you've given us your son that we can be free of Egypt and that need to accomplish and achieve and do and be more. God, while these commandments are not something we must do, teach us to delight in them, to desire to practice these things that are for our good and for the good of our neighbors. Help us, God, to be a people different than the world around us, choosing to rest when we have too much to do, choosing to focus on you when everything else draws our attention away. God, choosing to give you everything that in you we might find all that we need and all that you say we are. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, for the last 10 years, we have a church, as a church have existed for one purpose and one purpose only. If you've been around the point for any length of time, you have probably heard me say this. We exist to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus. That's the only reason we do everything we do. And for the last 10 years, we've done this in all sorts of ways, like intentionally choosing to meet in a movie theater, a safe space for people who've maybe been pushed away from the church in the past. We've done this by intentionally engaging in community events and creating opportunities to connect with people outside the traditional walls of a church, right? Like Bar Church and Wing Fest and Brew Fest and the Tattoo Convention and all kinds of opportunities out there to connect with people who are hurting. To help us accomplish this over the last several years, we've ended most years with something called Rent Free. If you've been around and you've maybe heard us talk about rent-free, this was our attempt every year to set aside rent in advance of the year so that way all the rest of our resources the whole year could be used exclusively to help us love and serve and connect with the community around us. This year, we're not gonna do rent-free. I've had a few people ask, when is that coming? We're not gonna do that this year because we believe God has something so much better than rent-free in store for the years to come. Over the next several weeks, I'm gonna be sharing uh, some more about what this better is, some opportunities that are before us that God is, is putting in our path to help us connect people in a really profound way. But first, I just wanna share with you that I have a big ask for you, a big question, some ways that I need your help. You see, these opportunities for us are both ways this building will help us connect with people, but also ways we get to go out into the community. And I wanna do something this year we've never done before. I've been praying for this, I've been praying about this, and I think I need to ask for your help 
and connecting the disconnected. And this is what I need to ask for. Will you commit to partnering with us in this endeavor? It's my prayer this year that every single person who calls the point home, every one of us, would commit to partnering in some capacity. 100% participation. Everything from $1 to $10,000, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Would you commit to saying, I want to be a part of making a difference? I'm hoping and praying that this reality of 100% participation will be something we can celebrate as we move into 2021. Now, like I said, uh, over the next several weeks, I'm going to share some really cool opportunities with you for how this next year is actually going to help us connect the disconnected and build community in awesome ways. However you want to participate, however you want to help in cultivating community here in this space and in Knoxville around us, you can do so by giving with cash or check if you came prepared in the popcorn buckets in the back, a little nod to the movie theater still. Or if you'd rather giving online, you can give online at thepointknox.com. However you choose to give, remember this. We don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. Now my favorite part of every week where you guys put me on the spot and try to stump me and usually do. Uh, this is the part where we're going to respond to some of your questions. And Emily said there's a lot of them. Uh, great. That means we're going to save a bunch of these questions for later in the week. We're going to post on Facebook on Wednesday a video of the response to those questions. So if you asked a question it doesn't get responded to right now, we will respond later this week on our Facebook page. Absolutely. All right. So let's dive right in. Um, Does confession and absolution work for those of us watching remotely? Absolutely. You are still forgiven and very much loved. All right, um, this next one. How does one Sabbath appropriately? There's an abbey near Louisville, Kentucky that during non-COVID times allows quiet retreats. Should we seek small amounts of rest, longer amounts of rest, or some combination of the two? That's great. Uh, This is a large part of what next week's gonna really dive into. Very practical, how do you do this? So real quick, I'll say, I think you should seek one day every week preferably, if possible, the same day where you rest. And that rest should be something that's filled with people you love, filled with things that bring you joy, and a whole lot of food, all right? Um, And there's a lot of other things you can do in that. If you've never taken a silent retreat or a little getaway, there's value in that. But unfortunately, it's a lot harder to get away every week than it is to maybe take one day, um, one full day of just resting. Um. Second, or third, where are we? Uh, Recognizing the need to rest in our busy and overwhelming world, how do we as parents of young kids find space to do so? That's awesome. Parents, you have such a good and difficult job to raise children to know the love of God and to raise them to be really good, responsible people filled with character. And so everything you do, they do. Unfortunately, uh, there's not a single thing that my kids have done that's sinful that I haven't first seen in myself. Even their attitudes and their actions. So how do you teach your, your kids Sabbath? Begin to practice it with them. Maybe include them in, find some family rituals. I read of one guy whose family Sabbath ritual, every single Sabbath, every single week, they bake a giant chocolate chip cookie in a cast iron skillet and they cover it with a whole bucket of ice cream and then the family sits around sharing the highlights of their week and eating that cookie and ice cream. Your kids will love that Sabbath, I promise, right? If you do something memorable 
like that. I think another thing you can do with your kids is guard their schedule. Uh, Kids don't have the ability to say no quite like you do. And they're going to want to say yes to everything. So maybe choose in each season one extracurricular activity and say, this is the one thing you do in this season. You're not doing 27 things at a time. Maybe choose to say no to the sports that are going to cause you to be gone on Sundays so you don't get to gather with the church. Maybe choose these things that will be unpopular at first, but if you replace them with something else equally valuable, like a giant chocolate chip cookie and ice cream, your kids will eventually really love it. All right, I'm going to give one more question, two comments. Oh, boy. And then we'll save the rest for throughout the week uh, or Wednesday. Um, Okay, so I was speaking with someone who was reluctant to accept Jesus in his heart. He's from Vietnam, came to the U.S. when he was 17, and he's now 55. Um, He asked me, when is it too late to accept Jesus and if he would go to heaven? As a toddler Christian, I felt you would be better suited to answer this question. It's really, really... There's a little angel emoji after that, just so everyone knows. Really, really simple. Uh, Until we die, Jesus is still right there waiting for us. Uh, Jesus isn't waiting for you to get it together and fix all that mess and have all the answers and know all the right things. No, he just says, come to me, all who are weary. He just invites you in the same way he's invited every one of us. And so if you're breathing, it's not too late. That's it. Think of the thief on the cross who literally, as he was dying a criminal's death, Jesus said, truly this day you'll be with me in paradise. All right. Comment. It makes you wonder why they take away nap time and snack time so early. Yeah. Amen. Uh, Actually, fun fact, communist China actually has written in their constitution that an employee can take a one-hour nap laying their head on their desk every single day. Now, granted, some of them are working like 16-hour days, but still, their constitution protects a one-hour nap every day. That sounds amazing. Okay, last, last one and for today, and then we'll, again, we'll get, okay, anyways, we're all on the same page there. Um, deep theological question to end us today. What kind of cake do you think the angel brought Elijah? Ooh, uh... <laughs> what did he actually bring, and what would I have liked him to bring? <laughs> Angel food cake's probably okay. the joke. There you go. There you I, go. Thanks for that. that. That dad joke almost went right past me. Angel food cake. There it is. All right. You guys are great. I love you. And I receive this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.